Today we have Carl Diekman on the podcast. He's a real estate investor, real estate agent, and team owner in Lago Vista, which is on the other side of Lake Travis in the Austin area. Beautiful area of the hill country. Carl's going to tell you all about how he's making real estate investing work for them in the Austin area. This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is the Austin Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, we have Carl Diekman on here, and he is a real estate investor and a real estate agent in Lago Vista, which is right outside of Austin. It's really the Austin area. He's going to tell us all about Lago Vista and how he's involved with real estate. Hey, Carl, how are you? Jordan, you're doing great. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to meet you, and great to meet you at the... Uh, we met at the commercial investors lunch meetup here in Austin. And I, I just can't recommend to people enough that you go to local meetups because you really never know who you're going to meet. There might be somebody really cool there. There might be somebody that brings you your next deal there. So go out to local meetups, meet people, listen to this podcast, network with people. But I don't want to digress. Carl, could you tell us who you are and how you're involved with real estate investing? Yeah, you bet. Uh, so Jordan, I, my wife and I, we claim we've been real estate investors for about 20 years. Um, when I say that, probably the first 10 was just owning one single family rental home. And so we really haven't grown our portfolio much until probably about 10 years ago. Um, so I've got kind of a unique situation because I'm both a real estate investor and then my wife and I run a real estate team. Mm -hmm. uh, how we kind of got into that was my wife's always wanted to be a real estate agent. And so uh, about eight years ago, we made a huge jump. We lived in Las Vegas at the time. We, I had a great job. We had a great neighborhood, great school homes. And uh, because we wanted to get near family, all my wife's families in the Austin area, we just picked up our roots and moved to Lago Vista, Texas. And my wife started as a real estate agent, uh, which is kind of crazy because, you know, in the world of real estate, there's no guaranteed commissions, no... Uh, no guaranteed paycheck. And so it was kind of a leap of faith. Uh, but the real estate team has worked out well. We've now have a team of 12. We've owned our own office here in town. We like to think we're the the leading team on the north side of Lake Travis. Uh, and things are things are going pretty good. So it's uh, it's working out pretty well. Um, yeah, good. That's awesome. So just out of curiosity, I got to ask, how did you pick Lago Vista? Man, that's a great question. Um, so I kind of geeked out a little bit uh, on, on analyzing things. So we knew Austin was the area we wanted to be in, right? And so, um, so if you if you roughly divide Austin from north to south, uh, you know they talk about the Texas Hill Country. If you're listening to this from somewhere else, the, the Hill Country is a, a really pretty uh, piece of land in the middle of Texas, uh, where you've got a lot of rolling hills and topography. Uh, but that hill country is not throughout of all of Austin. So, so if you're on the east side of Austin, it's kind of rough flat land. Mm -hmm. If you go on the west side of Austin, Austin, roughly, it's that hill country. So we knew we wanted to be. So you kind of like chopped off half of uh, half of uh, Austin as is. Mm -hmm. uh, so now, when you look at the west side of Austin, there's Lake Travis. If you're not familiar, it's a big lake uh, here. It runs east west. And what's interesting about Lake Travis is that there's no really major bridges across it. 
So if you live on the west side of Austin, you roughly kind of live either on the north side of Lake Travis or the south side. And there's not as much interaction between the two because, again, there's no bridges. So it's really so, for example, uh, for me, there's there's uh, I've had real estate agents call me before and they go, hey, look, I, I see where you live. Why don't you go look at this listing? This great thing is for sale. It's about two miles away from you. Well, ironically, that listing is on the south side of Lake Travis. Oh, wow. And even though I'm on the north side of Lake Travis, it, it might, you know, uh, it might be literally a mile away, but it's an hour and a half drive. And so there's this this real estate market that's very close geographically to me that I know not as much about. I still know some, but uh, I don't know. So, so Lago Vista, so we looked at and said, hey, we're going to be on the north side of Lake Travis. And so uh, Cedar Park is a growing town that's a little further to the east, more part of, part of Austin. We said that's a little big. Uh, and then Marble Falls is a smaller town out to the west. So Lago Vista was right in the middle of it. So we said, okay, that's it. And just threw a pin on the map and, um, and, and, and now it's home. So uh, yeah, there was, there was no you know, close relative here. There was no particular reason other than geographically, it just looked like the right spot. So, yeah. It's beautiful too. For anybody that hasn't been out there, it's so pretty. I, I love driving up 1431 and just careening through the hill country there. And it's so pretty out there. Um, so Yeah, I'm very bullish on this area. We've got great hill country topography. We've got a um, lot of lakefront access. Uh, this town still has a little bit of a small town feel. We yeah. do the, like, the small town parades. Uh, you can still know people in the town. And uh, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's bad. Uh, but it really is a neat spot. And I'm very, um, uh, I think it's very promising in the long run. So it's good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think like you mentioned, if you work in Austin and you live in Lago Vista or vice versa, it gets to be a bit of a drive, especially when there's traffic right. on 183. It can be an hour from downtown Austin up to Lago Vista, but it's, a, it's an amazing area. And, you know, for investing purposes, and that's the purpose of our show here, investing purposes, I would say Lago Vista is maybe better in a lot of ways than Austin. The prices are more favorable. The rents are actually really good. And the tenants are very easy to deal with in Lago Vista. I'm not sure why necessarily, and I'm not, I don't really want to get into that, but just my experience both selling properties in Lago Vista and having rental properties in Lago Vista, it's, it's really easy to deal with people there. They're nice and laid back, and maybe it's the area that does that. Yeah. Well, it's a little bit of an interesting culture out here. So there's, um, you know, people talk about it's it's lake life, right? And so yeah. you'll have folks that um, there's a little bit of a culture where folks tend to show up to meetings a little late or not be on time. Yeah. Um, people kind of scoffed us as real estate agents at first because we'd show up in, in business casual and uh, everybody else would wear sandals. Um, and so we've kind of changed that culture a little bit from that standpoint to to bring a little more professionalism. But um, it is a little bit of a unique community out here. We do get tend to get more folks that um, uh, commute like once a week. Those those classic situations, especially in a post COVID environment, mm -hmm. where you've got the, the 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 individual. So I know some folks that work for Dell is a great example. Uh, Dell's in Central Austin, um, but their job has shifted where they've gone from going to the office three or four times a week to literally going to the office once a week. And so now living out here is not a big deal at all, right? Because they're uh, they're close enough where a big important meeting or something pops up, they can still drive for an hour, but they do that one hour commute, but it's once a week, it's not a big deal. And the rest of the time they're working from home. And so uh, again, we've seen quite a bit of that. Um, it's still a little bit of a retirement community out here. So there's a uh, still a more of a senior population. Um, 
Yeah, but um, you know, so in terms of the rentals uh, or from an investment standpoint, uh, we have seen a lot of price appreciation. Now, now I think we're still a little more competitive. We're still on the outskirts, so you can get a little better of a price to rent ratio uh, than you can in central Austin. Uh, but we have seen prices double. So let me give you an example. Um, there's a builder in the Austin area, uh, Braun Homes. You may have heard of them. They they build a lot of starter homes. And they have quite a few communities, and they're kind of known for uh, filling in lots, not in necessarily going in and creating their own development, uh, but they'll they'll go into a town like Lago Vista that was platted making this maybe in the '60s or '70s, and they'll take those empty lots and fill them in with homes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sure enough, Braun came into our community uh, back in 2015, 2016. You could buy a starter home, uh, their basic three bedroom, two bath, 1,500 square foot uh, home, and their their I specifically remember their starter price back. At the end of 2015, was you could get it for two hundred and six thousand dollars is what they're wow. asking now. That was their, their baseline model, no upgrades. Um, well, now in a post-COVID world, that exact um, that exact home goes for around four fifty. Um, now those prices are easing up a little bit. We've seen a few of those sitting, um, and so so right now in the month of September of 22, uh, where that's going to go, I can't say exactly. Uh, you know, my hunch, um, and, and so don't quote me on this, folks, but my hunch is that price is going to ease just a little bit. Um, but overall, uh, uh, you know, we're talking about over double of that price point in just about four or five years. And so it's 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 pretty nuts. Um, I, in fact, bought one of those. I had uh, a couple different deals going on, and I, I went into contract on a brawn home. And, and uh, at the time, I had more deals than money I had, so I just brought my family members in, and, and I said to my extended family, "Hey, give me ten thousand dollars. We'll go and contract on this place. We were going to turn it into a rental. Well, we hit that appreciation curve right when it started curving up, and so um, what happened is after uh, about eight months, um, we said, "Hey, look, this has gone up so much. Let's just sell this." Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't want to disclose on the podcast exactly how much I gave back, but I mean, it was I, I more than doubled their money in eight months, and. Uh, you know, oh, the rest of my family members are ecstatic. They think that you know I've, I'm I'm just this genius investor, and I'm like, no, I think we just we just hit it at the right time. Uh, but uh, that's an example of of how the appreciation has gone nuts here, as it has in many places. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think we've we've seen such a rapid rise in Austin here, and you mentioned it makes anybody look like just an absolute genius. Not that you're not, but it it's done very well for people that, that buy it on the Austin area. So, you know, let's talk a little bit about your real estate investing life right now and what that looks like. So what kind of projects are you doing? I know you own the building your office in, you said? Yeah, so uh, quite a few little uh, deals. Um, my portfolio is a little more mixed than I need to. And someone that's a more polished investor will probably point out that I need to start kind of specializing. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do that. Uh, so when I talk about some of the deals or things I've done recently, uh, when I talk about this hodgepodge of, of properties, um, that's kind of uh, out of my, you know, my previous mode of operation. Uh, I used to say to my wife, I say, I'm a target of opportunity investor. I find something that's a good deal and I go after it. Um, and while that's fun, um, it can be a little more challenging from an efficiency standpoint. So, uh, so I'm trying to kind of fine tune. Um, the office, as you mentioned, was is simply just a real estate office, and so we were uh, pretty fortunate to to get that. Uh, we bought it off of a former real estate agent uh, right here in the town, and it's a, a great office, great location, and we're just dumping into that renovation right now. Um, 
that's just a very simple long-term hold. Um, it's nice owning a little commercial real estate and, um, and we were torn on that, right? Because a lot of folks uh, uh, in the office world in a post-COVID environment don't need office space. And so we were kind of scratching our head going, do we really need to buy this? Uh, but I think in the long run, it's, it's it's a good buy. We've already used it quite a bit. And I think post-renovation, it'll get some heavy use. So I'm excited about that. Um, I got a few other projects here in Lago and then a few projects uh, out of state. So um, what's kind of interesting on the commercial front is that I've seen commercial properties in Lago Vista really lag behind residential. Um, and so while our rooftops, uh, meaning the city's rooftops have gone up several hundred rooftops every year with builders, um, commercial properties have not, uh, or have just now started catching up. And so uh, as a small town, uh, now, now, now when I say commercial properties, uh, you know, we, we've got several different genres of commercial properties, right? So uh, I'm not talking about that uh, 4,000 or 50,000 square foot industrial space or that commercial office space, like at these large corporations, because uh, that environment might change in a post environment or post COVID environment, right? Those, those folks that normally used to go to work uh, all the time might not do that in the future. So uh, the commercial space I'm talking about is the small town office that hosts the small town accountant and lawyer and financial planner and real estate team. Um, and because this community has grown so much and there's such an influx of population out here, there's actually a lot of demand for that and a lot of small businesses trying to bring their their, their business out to this community. Um, and so I'm, I'm very excited. I got a couple commercial properties that I, I hope to develop, um, maybe one into a restaurant. Um, it, it depends on uh, what numbers they can bring. Uh, I've spent a lot of time talking to, you know, I, one of my my strengths is that I think that I try to talk to folks as much as possible and really feel them out and see what they can bring to the table and where they're at. Um, and so, um, so for example, the restaurant example, I've been talking to an individual for two years now. Uh, I want to build a restaurant for him. I want him to go from a, uh, a food truck to a brick and mortar location. Uh, but it's just taken a long time to make sure that he can be sustainable at this location. And so, uh, while I continue conversations with this guy, I got plenty of other projects I can do uh, to keep myself entertained and happy and keep stuff moving forward. So, um, so there's a couple of those commercial projects. Um, and then I've got two other things going on in the small town. I've got a, a nice acre, a, a 10 acre chunk I plan on developing in the winery. Uh, that's been a long term dream of the wife of mine. And so uh, we're really excited about that location. Um, recently got the deed restrictions on the property removed. Uh, which can be hard to do. Um, and for those listeners out there that are unfamiliar with deed restrictions, so the state of Texas is a little different than other states. So Texas, <clears throat> outside of municipalities, we don't have zoning, uh, which is different. So I always use the example of the state of Missouri, where my brother happens to work as a real estate agent. Uh, so from what I understand, 100% of the state of Missouri is zoned, all of it, like anywhere. You go out in the remote uh, boondocks, it's all zoned. Uh, that's not the truth in Texas. We don't have zoning. And so uh, as, a, as a result of that, people have found other ways to make sure that they don't have something uh, that they don't want next door. And so uh, that's come in the form of deed restrictions. Uh, what's happened over the years is when someone has sold a big chunk of land, they'll actually attach restrictions to that land on what you can do, meaning no commercial or you can't put this type of property in or you can only have one structure, so on and so forth. And those deed restrictions can be tough to change. And so this winery land actually had deed restrictions on it. 
And there was a developer that was part of that parcel who wanted to put homes on his property and said, hey, will you work with me? I'll uh, scratch your back if you scratch mine. And so we worked him to remove the deed restrictions. They can put houses on it and then we can put our winery on it. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, awesome. So were the deed yeah. restrictions, you couldn't do any sort of commercial use like a winery or something? Yeah, it had a whole bunch of things. It said no, um, no commercial and certain building restrictions and so on and so forth. Um, and, you know, there's all kinds of, I mean, deed restrictions can be anywhere from, you know, two lines to 200 pages, right? They can actually be attached to a deed. They can be attached to an easement. They can be attached to a plat map. Uh, they're usually attached in the state of Texas to the original owner's uh, uh, property, which I think the property records go back to like 1934. And then anything before 1982 is uh, on microfish at your county records office, or at least at Travis County, where I was looking. And so finding the deed restrictions on a chunk of property can be very, very difficult. And so for you folks out there that are looking for unrestricted land for a project, probably the easiest way to do it is try to get the property in contract and then get it to title and have the title company do the research for you. Because uh, that's really going to get you the best answer. Because doing like I, I originally tried doing and going to the record uh, office of the county is, uh, you, you, you know, you're going to you're going to spend months and still might still might not have a good answer. So. That's great advice. That's great advice for somebody. Hey, if you're trying to figure out if, if you can do something, obviously you ask for these restrictions first and you'll, you'll be able to figure out a lot without that, but without going right. to the county and looking into all that and just going through hours and hours of work, you know, put it in a contract, have the title company look. Great advice there. So, I mean, I guess that goes on to our, you know, that, that could be a way that somebody could make sure they can build what they want on it and and not go through a bad situation where they put a property under contract, maybe paid cash for it, didn't have that stuff done. But do you have any other advice for people on how to avoid a bad deal? You know, if you're looking to get started real estate investing and you're you're buying, let's say, commercial property or residential property in Lago Vista, is there anything specific to Lago that you want to avoid? Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here, and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing, and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks, guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the the uh, when you look at a single-family residence to start with, um, I think a lot of times that folks don't, I see buy, people buy a place and they put it in a contract and they really don't know their numbers, right? They don't know what their, they're gonna, their cash flow is going to look like or what the property might appreciate. Um, I, I'm guilty of this. this. That first home I bought that was a single family rental. Um, in fact, when I did my tax returns uh, on TurboTax way back in the day, uh, TurboTax uh, showed me losing money on the property, right? Wow. And, and which was a good thing at the time. And, and what I mean by that to explain it is, is I was actually able to depreciate that taxes, uh, that tax uh, or depreciate that asset. Um, and so um, I can write off that loss. And in reality, I'm making money. The home is actually appreciating, not depreciating, but uh, it shows a loss on my tax returns. And so being young and naive, I didn't know what I was doing. And I was like, oh, I'm losing money on this. Uh, so know your numbers going into it. There's a lot of ways of uh, having simple rental property calculators online. I use there's I think there's one called rentalpropertycalculator.net. Uh, it's part of theirs is all these free different calculating things. 
but it's a freebie. It's pretty thorough and it allows you to plug in your numbers of what you're paying for it, what you think it'll appreciate at, uh, what your expected rent is going to be, and it'll kind of spit out what uh, you know, what kind of cash flow, what money you'll make off this in the long run. And so, know your numbers going into it because I've seen folks just make some some poor decisions on buying a place which is way overpriced, uh, or maybe not way overpriced, but overpriced for rental, and they're not going to make their money back in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's one thing they got to look out for. Um, Lago Vista has a lot of short-term rentals. And so this could be a place where, where you can, folk can really do well in the short-term uh, rental market. Um, there's also a lot of restrictions out here, right? So you got to know what neighborhood, what community, the POA rules, as well as the city rules. Uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure that the city of Jonestown has um, banned any new short-term rental properties going in. So uh, that can actually, um, it's something you certainly need to know uh, in your due diligence. Um, I've seen with the short-term rentals, folks not um, not fixing it up or promoting it in the correct way. Um, and what I mean by this is that um, you know I've seen folks do this professionally, and they have a certain look and a certain feel. They're short-term rental; they do very well. Uh, and I see other folks come along, and they just they take their home in their current state and they post it on VRBO and try to get short short-term rentals, and it doesn't have that certain look or feel. The photos don't look good. Uh, and so as a result, they don't get the returns or they don't get the occupancy they expect. Um, and then uh, finally, uh, here's an interesting little nugget about Lago Vista in particular. So this community has what's called a POA uh, for the entire town. Uh, now, as far as I can tell, this is actually not a POA. It's a nonprofit named the Lago Vista POA. Uh, the key with this, folks, is that uh, the POA controls the lakefront parks. And there's really not a lot of lakefront parks unless you're part of this POA and get that lakefront access. And so uh, you actually have to have a certain specific lot in the town to become part of this POA. Uh, and so it's, that's a whole interesting little submarket. Uh, the key part there is if you buy the wrong home, I'm not saying the wrong home, but if you buy a home that's not in that, that POA, then you will not get that pass card. And technically you don't have lakefront access in some of these parks. Um, and then we actually have seen folks that live outside the town that buy what we call the POA lot, uh, which is simply a lot uh, that uh, gives you uh, access to the parks, even though they don't have a home on the lot. So uh, it's kind of a little unique uh, 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 caveat uh, out in this neck of the woods, uh, but uh, knowing the right person can get you set up and get you on the right direction. Don't they have pools and workout centers and all sorts of stuff too? I remember reading on it because we're in the POA with that. We have a yeah. condo in Lago. They do. So the so the pool is is one of several pools out here. There's actually a city pool also. Uh, I would say that POA pool is a little smaller. Uh, there's a couple of workout facilities. They're a little more, uh, you know, it, depending on where you're at in the town, it can be in a great location or not a great location for you. Uh, and so there's a few other amenities besides the lakefront parks. Uh, I've used the amenities some, but really the key for me and my family is the lakefront park access is is the is the one thing that is um, you you really would struggle getting somewhere else. Um, whereas maybe the workout center, uh, you know, there's a there's a more centrally located gym in the middle of town that you can you can pay for uh, that can be easily duplicated, uh, and so it's not quite as big of a deal. Sure, absolutely love that. Um, so. Watch out for the Lago Vista POA and understand what it is and if your lot or your property has it that you're buying, um, because you know there's some benefits there. You know, yeah. Talk about the parks, big deal. Um, Carl, 
I know you've worked with a lot of real estate investors as a real estate agent. If somebody comes to you and says, hey, Carl, you know, I'm looking to start investing in Lago Vista. I just want to buy rental property and build wealth over time. What are you telling them? I like the condos out here. I think the condos are still a good buy um, and you get a good or a better price to rent ratio. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, um, uh, so I found uh, a few properties. In fact, I found a condo uh, that I bought for a really great price uh, in, in here. It's uh it was um, just around a thousand square feet, but I bought it uh, for a hundred thousand. I put it in contract the day that, uh, if you remember, Texas had that big winter storm that came through two years oh, ago. Uh, and so that whole week was, was Texas was shut down, right? There's rolling power outages. And Thursday was kind of the climax. Friday it started getting a little warmer, but Thursday was the worst. So I put that condo in contract that day, okay. Thursday. Uh, so, so wait till people are, are you know, freezing and then they're ready to sell. Uh, but I put it in a contract for about 100000 and flipped it for uh, uh, about three months later for, for double the price. So that worked out well. Wow. Where I'm going is that there's still deals to be found with these condos. Uh, they have a better price to rent ratio than uh, a single family home. Uh, and then you need to watch your, uh, your, your HOA fees. Uh, there's a separate HOA fee for the condo, again, because you're not taking care of the exterior maintenance. Uh, but you can still find a good uh, price to rent ratio there. Um, and there's a few other odds and ends or creative ways you can sponsor things. There's still little pieces of unrestricted land you can find that you can develop. I found a nice little chunk of unrestricted land. I'm putting some boat storage and a, um, um, a small uh, storage facility for a site works company I own 50% of. Uh, occasionally, you can find a lot, which is a deal, and sell that. Uh, occasionally, you can find a lot that has utility lines that has value to builder that was underpriced. Um, and then, um, that's roughly about it. Uh, and then uh, well, finally that commercial space, uh, if you can find the right commercial chunk where you can piece something together or adjoin lots, uh, you can help with a development there. Um, in terms of a single family home, which is historically right. Folks start in the single family home rental in environment. Uh, that's how I started. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm not saying we're a bad spot. Uh, I might be scaring away buyers, uh, when I say this. Uh, but it can be a little tougher of a buy. We have a, uh, you know, a little, little, not as optimum uh, price to rent ratio. Uh, again, you're going to buy a starter home for about uh, 450000 And you can probably get twenty five to 2900 in in rent out of that. Uh, that rent has gone up quite a bit. So those numbers are, are pretty good, uh, but still not spectacular. Uh, and so let me give you an example. And I, I know this is an Austin investing podcast, and I'm not trying to scare investors away from, from Austin because there are great opportunities here. Uh, but one example is I had uh, uh, my sister came to me and said, hey, buy me a rental in Austin. Uh, she happens to live up in Champaign, Illinois, uh, which is central Illinois. It's a university town. Uh, and, and I told her, I go, hey, why don't, you, why don't you look for something there? And so she actually bought uh, a... Um, well, she had kind of an interesting uh, ordeal. I helped her find a lot here that was a tax foreclosed lot. Uh, now these deals don't exist anymore, but at the time lots had just gone up a lot in value. So she bought this lot on a tax sale uh, for $3,000 and we sold it uh, about nine months later for $28,000. Yeah. Uh, we took that money and did a 1031 exchange, right? So we did a, a tax deferred exchange. Uh, and then she bought a rental home up in, up in Champaign, Illinois. So. Uh, now look at these numbers up there. So she bought this this three bedroom, one bath home up there, which was in pretty good shape. 
uh, bought it for $95,000. And so now, then uh, of course that $28,000 was her down payment. So she, you know, walked in the door, didn't, didn't have to pay anything other than transfer that money. Uh, and now uh, she's got that and it rents for about 1100, 1200 a month. Mm-hmm. And um, she's much like me early on when I was uh, had my first rental. She's like, oh, yeah, OK, I got a little bit of cash flow. This is fine. And I want to be like, sis, this is, you know, look, you're going to this home is going to appreciate in, in value over time. You're going to be paying down the note. You're going to have a couple hundred dollars in cash flow, uh, maybe a little bit of forced depreciation. And, and you're able to write off the, the depreciation on your taxes. I'm like, this is mm-hmm. this is a big win for you. Uh, so, again, not to steer folks away from Austin because there's there's great deals to be found. Uh, you just got to be smart and savvy about the short term. Uh, I'm sorry, if you if you buy a single family rental, you got to get in the right spot uh, and and make sure that your, your your numbers are looking good so you can so you can sustain it over time. Absolutely, no, that's great advice. Like knowing your numbers and and making sure you know the areas you're buying in is so important too. Yeah. So, Carl, you've done quite a bit. You know you. You've got some commercial spaces. You've flipped some flipped some lots. It sounds like you're building a winery. <laughs> That's right. That the, the lots in Lago Vista are just crazy. We help a guy who bought it for eight thousand dollars three years ago sell it for fifty thousand dollars a year ago. It it's it blows my mind how much some of the land has gone up there. But and moving on, you've done quite a few different real estate endeavors. You're, you're into commercial real estate. You're developing a winery. You've done some residential real estate. What's next for you? What are your long-term goals and what's your real estate vision? Have you wanted to be part of GoBundance, the tribe of millionaires, but just haven't hit that millionaire status yet? Well, now you can, not even being a millionaire, by joining our new program, GoBundance Emerge. My name's Jamie Gruber, creator of GoBundance Emerge and member of the GoBundance community. And now you can join GoBundance.com slash Emerge, GoBundance.com slash Emerge. Use code Jordan for $100 off this 12-week goal-setting program and mastermind that'll propel you to being a whole life millionaire. Yeah. So um, right now I'm trying to move into doing syndications. I'm trying to uh, use other people's money for development projects. And so I think that's the the obvious long-term uh, plan. Um, I need to get out of the small hustle of finding a small deal and then turning it. And that's been really great. It's been really profitable. I'm not complaining, uh, but I would like to get in bigger projects where I have a team. And so I'm working toward that right now. Uh, now, when I say a syndication, it's it's uh, a way of just saying a, a larger project, a commercial project where I have both general partners and limited partners. Uh, those limited partners are bringing bringing money. Uh, and then then me as a general partner with my team, we're making the decisions for the project and how we develop it. Uh, and so technically, we're selling a security, uh, uh, which means we have to be um, compliant with the Security Exchange Commission. Uh, and there's some rules there we're, we're going to be working with. but. Um, uh, so, so what's my most recent project we're working on? We're, we're, uh, my team, we're going to do a RV park development down in New Braunfels. Oh, cool. Uh, we've, uh, been, um, we've been in contract on, on a couple, couple projects before, uh, and actually canceled during due diligence. Um, and, and we canceled the right reasons, um, we discovered some stuff that, that was not favorable to our project. So, uh, I've got a great feeling about this most recent one. I think we've done our homework, uh, and it's definitely moving in the right direction. Um, uh, you know, so so you might ask why RV parks? Because when we say a syndication, most people think uh, uh, most people do syndications with apartments, right? They mm-hmm. they find a a older Class B or Class C apartment. They come in, they 
they clean it up, they paint it, they have uh, you know carpet installed in the units, they, they clean up the pool. Uh, a lot of times they'll do things where they bring in covered parking or they will bring in a, uh, if the units don't have individual washer and dryers, they'll bring in washers and dryers. Uh, and, and that brings value and now you can increase the rents, which brings the overall complex, the value up more. Uh, and then they're able to sell that, uh, you know, three or five years down the road. And so, so in a way they're using other people's money to kind of flip apartments. And, uh, uh I have several friends that have done very well with that. Um, so the problem in Austin, uh, if I were to do that locally, which I desire to do my, my first project or projects, uh, closer by. Uh, you know, uh, so, so apartment costs in, in, in Austin have, have gone up quite a bit like everything else. Yeah. Uh, if you look at a, a, a cap rate, uh, which, uh, you know, uh, so your cap rate is the ratio of your net operating income over your market value, your property. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so a lot of times folks will buy, uh, you know, commercial assets, usually in the six or seven, sometimes you get a really good one. That's at, at a 10 cap, uh, the going rate a couple years ago for, for uh, apartments in Austin, it was about uh, 4.5. And I've even heard rumors, I haven't seen one, but I've heard about people buying apartments in Austin at two and three caps, oh, yeah. uh, which is really, really low. And it, it what it means when you look at that that, that ratio is you're, you're paying a lot for that asset. And so uh, over the last couple of years, I've been kind of scratching my head and go, hey, what, what, uh, what area can I get into that I can syndicate, but I can have some really great numbers still. And so we think RV parks is that RV parks have, have with COVID expansion, folks are buying more and more RVs. They're spending more time in RV parks. Uh, and it's actually kind of a form of affordable living for people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the right RV park, if it's well-managed and well-placed, can can bring in some really great numbers. And so uh, we're pretty optimistic on our next build. We're looking at a, uh, an 11-acre spot that has 150 pads uh, and some really nice numbers uh, on it. And so... Um, so in about two months, we close on the property and then uh, hopefully uh, break ground. And um, uh, RV parks don't take as long as apartments or homes to build. We're looking at about a six-month uh, build. I mean, there's still a lot of infrastructure. There's more infrastructure than one might think. They've got a lot of electrical and plumbing and sewer lines and, and roads. Uh, but uh, you're not building vertical. You're not, you're not putting up walls. And so um, we're pretty bullish on this project. We're excited about it. And if this works out, then we're going to uh, hopefully rinse and repeat and and do it again. And so, um, so that's my long-term plan is to get out the, of the grind of the uh, uh, dealing with just a, you know, a, a property on, on a case by case basis and having a team run uh, bigger projects and being able to, to repeat that process to hopefully uh, make a nice profit. Absolutely. And RV parks are so popular right now. People do, you know, they want to have as many local vacations, but they're not going too far, but they're getting away. And then there's so many people traveling through Texas. Texas is such a hot spot right now. So I think that's a great idea. I'm excited to see. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Park. Yeah, life's good. Yeah. So do you have a favorite business or mindset book you like to recommend? Honestly, I've never read one on RV parks. I don't know if there's one of those out there. You know, I, so I've got an interesting one. I'm going to throw out one that folks probably don't uh, uh hear about. I think I actually have it uh, behind me here, but um, this is kind of funny. I read this book called Mobile Home Wealth. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's basically a, a guide for a guy who over, uh, you know, several decades was a mobile home investor and he bought and flipped and sold and traded uh, mobile yeah. homes in Florida. And so 
the reason why I like it is it it talks a little different. You know, in the RV and mobile home world, you're you're working with a different kind of uh, tenant. You know, folks sometimes think a little more short term. Uh, they sometimes can uh, deal with their emotions a little more. Uh, and so um, I, th I think it was a great book. So I, I, one of the key things I took away from this was his uh, negotiation tactic. Uh, and he kind of had the, the, the acronym. Uh, he said, when you're, when you're negotiating with somebody, use the acronym NAB. You need to be nice, you need to be asking, and you need to be patient. And, uh, and especially in the mobile home world, it was brilliant. So, um, you know, sometimes if you got somebody that you're trying to get in contract and you're not nice to them, uh, sometimes they're looking for an excuse to tell you to take a hike. Right. And so yeah. if you give them that opportunity, if you're mean to them, they're just going to, they're going to blow you off. Right. Uh, uh, second, the second part is if you're asking, uh, you know, you can't demand anything. You've got to be like, Hey, would you consider, you know, sign the contract today and just keep on asking and, and, uh, pressing them and then just be patient. Right. And so, especially if you got somebody that's in a mobile home, that's uh, got some deferred maintenance and they're kind of up against the ropes, um, you know, th they're, they're probably not in that situation because they're a great planner in life, right? They're, they're probably somebody that needs to kind of let things play out a little bit and, and kind of have sleep on it for a couple of nights and realize that, Hey, they're in a tough situation. And so that's where I've had some luck with deals where I'm just very patient and, you know, and, Hey, would you consider signing the contract today? And and I love that one. Nice asking and patient. Uh, I think it's a brilliant negotiation tactic. And uh, um, and then the the final thing I would note on on the patient part, which I think has worked out uh, well, is that uh, any time as an investor, if you're going after just one deal, and I've got to have that one deal, and I've got to make it, that can reduce your patience, right? And so the beauty I've had with patience is that I try to have a couple things going on at any given time. And that way, if uh, seller A wants to be uh, uh, not so great and, and, and put up their arms and not going to sign the deal, well, I got seller B and seller C, and I can keep on working at them. And then I'll bring a, a, someone else in the mix next. And that way, uh, uh, it allows you to be very patient because you can just kind of ignore somebody for a while and, and work on another deal. And then you come back to them a week later. Uh, for you, it doesn't feel like anything because you've, you've been working on other deals. But for them, they've been kind of sitting there biting their fingernails for a week. And then uh, it, it, uh, it shows that you can be patient and it helps get that deal done. So, um, but yeah, Mobile Home Wealth by, uh, I'm not even going to try to produce his, uh, pronounce his last name, but I thought, it was a, I thought it was a good book and I learned, uh, learned a lot of nuggets from it. Yeah, that's an amazing nugget. You know, the, the patience piece is so hard. And I, I love how you talked about it. you get focused on a deal and you want to do a deal. And people always say, oh, there's no emotion investing. I'm not a very emotional person, but I get emotionally invested in investing. You know, I like to buy real estate investments. Yeah. It's fun. It's exciting. There's something going on. So I love how you're talking about, you know, the patience. And then also on the other hand there, you there's, all, there's always another deal. That deal is not the only deal you're ever going to have. And if you get real fixed on it and you have to have that deal, and that's the only deal, you're going to make bad decisions. But you're absolutely well. Your advice there just to continually be working on different deals. If deal A doesn't work out, then there's deal B, but there's always a deal B. And I think that's so important for our listeners to, to remember is, hey, this is a, a marathon. It's not a sprint. There's always another deal out there. So be yeah. patient, be nice, always be asking. At the same time, you know, know when to move on and find that next deal. Jordan Moorhead here. Really quickly, wanted to tell you a couple other ways you can keep track of us. 
If you want to listen to all these podcasts and ask questions, the Moorhead team on YouTube is the best place to be. And then Austin Real Estate Investors on Meetup is a great place to keep track of all of our meetups we have going on. I was going to show you what I have on my dry race board here. You talk about it being a marathon. Uh, now, uh, you know, somebody's probably going to laugh at me on this, but it works for me. So I have uh, my little uh, picture I keep up on the wall. It's the tortoise and the hare. Nice. And I say, hey, my, my spirit animal is a tortoise, right? And so yeah. uh, just keep crawling every day, get up, plug through the same stuff, talk to the same people or the, you know, new people, and just keep on chewing out my processes and just crawling forward. Uh, I'm not trying to make a drastic, you know, you know, climb a mountain one day, and I'm trying to not do anything either. And as long as I just keep crawling forward at a steady pace, uh, we'll get there. And it seems like it's, it's, it's worked out so far. Um, you talked you talk about uh, there's always a deal out there. Uh, you know, I, you know, I've really been going hard to the investing for about four or five years. And, um, and I went kind of through my own emotional swings of, of deal finding uh, because I had a couple swings where I'd find a couple of things and then they, you know, I wouldn't find anything for a little while. And after doing this over time and being able to move along and find another deal, and then I find another deal, I've kind of come to the conclusion that, hey, there's, there's always a deal out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know it sounds kind of cliche. It sounds, you know, everybody always says that. But I tell you what, if you're, if you're hunting, uh, I, I don't care if the market's turning up, if the market's going down, I don't care what it is. There is always a deal to be found. And mm -hmm. I, feel like, um, I, I feel like I'm, you just got to be open to it ready to run the numbers, ready to do analysis, ready to make an offer and, 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 and you'll get something to contract. It'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, you know, you talked about it, it being a marathon, whether you have the tortoise and the hare up there. And I think yeah. if you, if you're always, always out there and you're always doing deals for a long period of time, you know, you talk about, but there's some, there's some story and I'm sure it's not true of, the guys, two guys set off to walk across the United States from California and one did 40 miles the first day. And then he did, you know, 50 miles the next day. And eventually he became exhausted and just, you know, started sleeping and not doing so much. And the one guy said, I'm just going to do 20 miles a day and do 20 miles a day every day. And he got there way ahead of the other guy who never even finished. But I think investing is that same way. Don't burn yourself out and don't get upset or go nuts about one deal. Just always right. be out there looking for deals over a long period of time. And 20 years from now, you're going to be way wealthier than you ever could imagine. If you're always doing deals and you're always looking for deals and 20 years passes by, I mean, come on. I'm such a, you know, I, I very much agree with what you just said. And, and I'm such a fan of, of real estate investing. I, I really feel like it's, uh, one of the few areas that um, folks can, you know, ordinary folks can can really grow wealth over time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen a couple of people do very well. I, I've got, I know a guy who started a mortgage company and, you know, he's going to probably be a billionaire someday. His company's doing very well, but let's be honest. I mean, I mean, we're talking about a major, major, you know, mortgage company. I knew another guy that made, uh, you know, over a million dollars creating uh, apps for, for, for an iPhone and a couple of them were actually went big. And so, uh, don't get me wrong. These are really neat stories to hear about. I love talking about it. I love interacting with these guys, but just for an ordinary person, I still feel like a few of these things were, were, I don't want to say flukes. I think they were smart, talented guys. I think they, they made their the deal happen, but, uh, you know, I, I can't create an app that's going to be a, make a million dollars on the iPhone. Yeah. Right. But I can go out and find a rental property or I can help my friends or family or our client that works with me, find a rental property and, and, and do very well on it over time. 
And so uh, I really do feel like real estate investing is, is one of those areas that ordinary folks can, can make a lot of money uh, and, and do really great. And you don't have to have particularly great skills or talents or be great at doing some app or, or, you know, or, or, or be a famous musician or something like that. You can, you can just be an ordinary person. So it's pretty cool. Absolutely. Yeah, no, love it. I think it's, it's such a, such an amazing tool for available for anybody. And if you get started, you start to make more and more progress over time. And again, before you know it, you've built amazing wealth and you haven't really done anything revolutionary to do it. Yeah, that's completely true. So Carl, if people want to reach out to you and get a hold of you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? I know you run a real estate team in the Lago Vista area, but what's the best way yeah. to reach out to you? Well, uh, so I'm pretty unique uh, in terms of social media. I'm not very involved on social media. Um, there's, you know, folks that so I've never had a I've never had a Facebook account. Mm. Uh, probably don't plan on making one. Um, I don't really know how a lot of the other uh, social media works. So, so I'm on LinkedIn. It's my one social media outlet. If you call that link, if you call that social media, um, okay. and so just Carl Deepen and C A R L and then D I E C K M A N N. So two N's on there. Uh, you'll probably find me under KW or real estate agent or commercial real estate. Uh, and then the other spot is, uh, I'm active on bigger pockets. If you guys know bigger pockets, it's an oh, investment yeah. podcast. And then it's also a, um, uh, webpage. And so I've got a profile there. You can probably find me there. Uh, and then online, uh, you know, a lot of our name is under my wife's name. So my wife is Emily Diekman. Uh, so we're the Emily Diekman real estate team, uh, here in Lago Vista. Um, and then we have a lot of online presence for that team. So you'll find a lot of social media, uh, a lot of Facebook, Instagram, all kinds of stuff there. Uh, and my friends sometimes comment on how I was on Facebook. And I was like, well, I wasn't really on Facebook. And they're like, well, your wife posted that. So, uh, <laughs> but you should be able to find us there. And uh, we'd love to hear from you if you want to reach out. Um, I'm kind of geek for investing. So I've had people just randomly call me up and I'll talk for an hour or two of them. Uh, about some investment project where that's like not even related to to me or my town. So, uh, so it's good. So don't be afraid to reach out. Uh, I like to hear it from folks. Awesome. And what's the team name too? If people want to reach out and they're in Lago Vista. Yeah, it's the Emily Deakman Real Estate Team, and then our commercial side is Team Deakman Commercial, and uh, and so we've we've got uh, agents for both, and uh, and uh, so then my syndicating team is Paystone Partners. Uh, but that's a pretty new name. There's not a whole lot of web presence on that because we're on our first project right now. So, Awesome. Well, yeah, we'll have to have it back on after the winery's up and running. <laughs> right, right. We'll be good. That project's gone. All right. Last question we have here, Carl. Most important question we ask in the podcast is what's your favorite restaurant in the Austin area? Oh, gosh, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, so, um, the uh, normal, I would, I would say, uh, uh, my kids love either Domino's Pizza or Buffalo Wild Wings, just because uh, that's where we end up going to a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not necessarily, uh, I don't get out uh, too much here in, in, in the community. So, uh, so some of the main names that people know super well, uh, uh, I, I probably can't name two. Uh, we've got a couple of little restaurants here in, in Lago Vista that are worth checking out that I enjoy going to. I like going to Highland Lakes Grill. Uh, and then they actually got a great little brisket place that's out of a food truck called Baker's Brisket. And he does a pretty amazing job. So uh, if you're if you're never uh, if you're not too busy, wait till it's cool out and then come out to Lago Vista and try Baker's Brisket. I think I think you'll be uh, pretty happy. So, Is that in the food truck park right there off Lomas? That's in the food truck park. Yeah, G give him a try. And he's got he's like closed like Monday Tuesday to kind of catch up on things. Uh, but uh, 
yeah, wait till the weekends or whatever. And, 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 and obviously try the brisket, his name Baker's brisket. So, uh, try the brisket. It's, it's pretty good. It does a nice job. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll have to do that. Well, Carl, thank you so much for coming on yeah. here today. Again, everybody listening will have all of Carl's links in the show notes with a link to his real estate team, the link to his LinkedIn page. Um, but you know, pretty simple. Look up Carl Beekman on on LinkedIn. You'll absolutely find him. Or bigger pockets, bigger pockets. Or bigger pockets. Yeah. Awesome. Jordan, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking real estate. And uh, let's chat some more. Life's good. All right. We'll see each other soon. Awesome. Cheers.